1: Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium and on Uncle Silk. And we're missing the All-American 35. It's Dan. No All-American 35. Shout out to my man Amai. He's down with the flu. Um, the flu's going around. It, it hit my household uh, a little bit last week as well. How you feeling, Dan? You, you
2: sick? Prayers you up. good? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. The only thing that I have is nursing, uh, nursing a little bit of a hangover from my... Uh, From the uh, the golf tournament, and then my trip to the subsequent trip to Nashville right after. So it was a uh, a long, beautiful weekend, but uh, you know, a couple days of recovery for this uh, this old man. You know.
1: Oh, tell me about that wealthy life of just traveling yeah, yeah, and ten, golfing yeah, and with the big three roll up in celebrity football. Yeah, play.
2: absolutely. No, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, you know, I got to swing by for a few minutes uh, in between client visits last Wednesday to uh, to Ruby Elixir to say hello to uh, to you, Kev, TJ. Uh, I tried to avoid uh, Berg as much as I could, and then on <laughs> Thursday I was stuck hanging out with him uh, when we uh, when we played in the golf tournament. Which, uh, Y'all been beefing joy. about the
1: golf, man. You and Berg yeah. you been beefing lately.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's only a few people there to uh, to uh, to testify uh, exactly how the golf game went down, but uh, <laughs> it was be- it was beautiful. Uh, got to play Tarpon Woods uh, with uh, with you, TJ, uh, Kev, Newberg, and there's probably what sixty, seventy other folks there uh, benefiting uh, the Jan Stevenson Foundation and and her uh, charity that was raising money for um, for the wildfires in Australia. Uh, but a ton of fun. Got to hang out with Steven Garcia for a bit. Actually, uh, saw him later that night at the uh, at the airport, too, and uh, got to meet uh, his two young ones. But, uh, yeah, the golf tournament was good. Um, you know, I had the best drive of the day, and then Berg played the ball like it was his. <laughs> and then he subsequently went, uh, he shot a par on that hole, so shout out to Berg for his par. Subsequently went, went uh, double bogey, double bogey, and then he picked up the ball. So, um, he was talking a lot of smack on the uh, the morning Patreon episode of Big 3 Rollup. So I just want to let you guys know that, uh, that Berg was no uh, Arnold Palmer or Tiger Woods out there. <laughs> um, one of us looked like they played golf, and the other one looked like he lucked into a, uh, a a par with somebody else's ball.
1: I would tell you, man, I was riding the golf cart with my man Berg. Um, after the first <laughs> drive, I kind of, you know, I was commentating the whole thing. So after the first drive, I'm like, oh, shit. Dan, Dan actually know what he doing. That's a good drive. So we, we take <laughs> off in the golf carts and we're driving towards the ball. We're ahead of you guys. So we are pulling up to the ball. Like, I don't I don't think I don't think you the ball. <laughs> he's like, yeah, sure, that's mine. I, he said the name of the ball as he was picking it up. i was like, uh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, so he as he played looking-
1: the ball. Dan pulls up his golf course. Hey, Berg, I think that's my ball.
2: <laughs> I dr- drive up right next to the ball, and sure enough, it was because I'm driving around. I'm like, I know I hit the ball, you know, about 250, 260 out here. Uh, it was, you know, a decent shot, um, you know, slightly in the uh, in the fringe. And I, I looked around, I'm like, I know this was my ball, and so I'm driving around like a crazy person looking for the ball. <laughs> DJ's in my golf cart, I'm like. I'm pretty sure that was my ball, and Bird's like, "Look how great of a shot I hit." I'm like, "No, I'm pretty sure that was my ball." But uh, you know, long story short, it was a uh, it was a great time. Yeah, then I hopped on a uh, on a flight to Nashville that night, and I uh, went to a Tyler Childers concert, uh, which I nice. blessed the tie line with uh, some video of uh, the other uh, the other day. So uh, beautiful day in Nashville. Uh, it was it was weird though. Went from uh, relatively warm weather in Tampa to, to snowing. In uh, in Nashville, I was there, but uh, but a great weekend overall.
1: Yeah, we got to work on Berg's golf etiquette, man. He cut off Vincent Jackson, like we, he was doing a lot of wild stuff out there. You can't, <laughs> take him. You can't take Berg everywhere, bro. He
2: was he was dry He he cut off Steven Garcia and Vincent Jackson. He was driving in somebody's backswing. He looked like a landscaper. I mean, just you know, it was kind of <laughs> one thing after another with him. But
1: uh, next hey, overall year. fun time, man. Shout out to Jan Stevenson and um. Everybody involved in that golf tournament, man. Chris league was out there too. Uh, always sure to looking professional, like he actually golfs for a living. So shout out to Chris League as well, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, so what'd you get
1: into this weekend? I kind of just chill. Um, a lot of relaxation. I took my son to the park. We do some, I try to work out, get some shots up on the basketball court, but just family relaxation and, and just just chilling, man. I watched a little XFL. You checking the XFL out? Yeah. I did. I caught a little bit of it on uh, on Saturday, uh, the
2: DC game, and then I watched a little bit of the uh, the Tampa Vipers yesterday game as well.
1: Yeah, what it's an okay say? product. It's an okay yeah. off season product. Not not bad. Um, I hope they survive longer than the AFL. I don't want to really want to get attached to a team because um, I got attached to Steve Spurrier's AFL team and it was out of there like a month later. So I'm just watch from afar, man. But I like some of the rules. I like the transparency and whatnot with the. Um, with the refs and, and the play calling of the coordinators, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm not mad. Yeah. at Offseason product.
2: I liked the kickoff rule. I thought that that's interesting. Um, it it adds a unique kind of taste. Although I think it it very much helps the returner uh, in that sense. But uh, yeah. you know, I think the, I think what the XFL wants is more offense. Uh, than anything, you can tell that by the uh, the catch rules and uh, you know some of the other rules out there. I like the speed of the game. Um, I think that they said they're trying to get the game done like thirty minutes faster than an NFL game. Which when when the product is fine but not incredible, I think trying to speed it up a little bit. You know, they have another referee that's there to just spot the ball, and so you know the the time clock is a little bit shorter. It, the game moves a little bit quicker. Um, I also like that there's no. Um, you know, extra points. I, I like the one point, two point, and three point, uh, or point after touchdown. I guess yeah, the the kick. um, I like that there's that one point, two point, three point. I think it changes the game. You know, because Tampa was down seventeen to nothing yesterday, uh, and the referees were talking about it because they kicked a field goal and were down, you know, seventeen to three instead, and they said, why didn't they just go for it? Because theoretically, at seventeen points, you're still only two scores behind. So I think you can change the game a lot that way. So, but overall, product is it's fine it was cool to see some some good names it's you know it's obviously going to be an opportunity for some of these guys to be able to make the uh to make the nfl um you know some certainly some talented players it was also good to see some uh former gators out there as well
1: yeah absolutely man they're taking um the kickball players out of football a little bit and i'm not mad at that whatsoever
2: <laughs> yeah it was good you know we'll see we'll see over the next few weeks you know how it how it lasts but I think they said the first game had 3.3 million viewers, which is, you know, certainly respectable. And, you know, as the product gets a little bit more known and, you know, people become more familiar with the teams. And, you know, I think you have a product that can probably sell out a, you know, an MLS stadium, you know, a twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 person stadium, which I think is a really fine, um, you know, after season uh, product.
1: Do you think, how long do you think this lead lasts in your opinion? Like real talk.
2: I I think the biggest thing that they have to just – I don't think it's a funding issue because I think that they're pretty well funded. They've got some good relationships with some sponsors and stuff like that. I think for them it's just going to be the buy-in to the league by the fans and that it's not just a niche, hey, this is the first season. Uh, I think it definitely survives through a first season. I think it makes it to a second season. I think you then just need people to become familiar with – the players, you need to then become familiar with, you know, the product, you know, on the field. Um, I am in the camp that I think people have a little bit of football fatigue this time of year. Uh, so I thought it would be curious if they did it a little bit later, maybe start in March or April instead of, yeah, you know, the, the week world after world. Super Bowl. Yeah that's, what I, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot, right? Because uh, yeah. you have – Five months of football before that, and then to ask for another two or three months is is a lot. But uh, I, I, I give it a few years if they're able to have people, I, I guess, find a team to root for. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna find a team because I don't trust it, man. Um, I yeah. might chip for the Renegades just because Bob Stoops didn't go to Florida State. So <laughs> yeah, that's just that's how I'm feeling, man. But let's get into some Gator uh, news, man.
2: Yeah, we had – out. Uh, we had a couple of, uh, I guess, a couple big pieces of news. I guess the biggest is Tim Brewster uh, reportedly named the new tight end coach. What are your, what yes, are your thoughts 100. on Tim?
1: I'm excited about Tim. Um, Tim Brewster, uh, tight end coach before us at North Carolina University. Uh, coached with Jimbo at Florida State. That's why most Gator fans are blocked on Twitter by him because yep. uh, he was a terror on the recruiting trail. Um, this, this is a guy that we needed for this staff. I think this staff has uh, a lot of guys that can just co- flat-out coach football. We have a couple good recruiters. Um, I would call Chris Robinson a lead, and maybe even Brian Johnson, I would say, is very good to good, and, and also um, David Turner. But but a guy like Brewster, you get a closer. Yep. You get somebody that's going um, mm-hmm. down the stretch. Uh, when you're losing Dalvin Cooks and you're losing people like that, Ermond Lane's of the recruiting world, uh, that's Tim Brewster, and we got him at a at a, at a, a very good time. Uh, last week on the show, mm-hmm. I thought I said – I didn't think I said on the show last week uh, when we lost Larry Scott that it was an opportunity for Dan Mullen to upgrade this staff with a recruiter. Um, he didn't take that lightly. I think he knew what he needed. Um, tight end is a position where you could get a mm-hmm. lead recruiter and a guy that can kind of uh, have some time to do some other things, man, and he got his guy. Uh, how long yeah, Tim mean, Bruce is going to be here? I don't know. But when he's here, I expect him to land big dogs on the recruiting trail. Your opinion? Yeah, there? absolutely.
2: Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, you know, we talked about it, like you said, so last week. And you know, I think Dan Mullins three for three on upgrades. I mean, you know, Larry oh, Scott was absolutely. obviously a, a great coach. Uh, don't get me wrong uh, in saying that. But you know, to upgrade a to touring grade, to upgrade to uh, to uh, to David Turner, uh, and then to upgrade to to Tim Brewster, uh, it was is really noticing errors, you know, or, or ways to improve and, and grasping those. And that's how you win uh, in this league. And you win by getting elite recruiters, and you you win by getting dogs and aren't afraid to ask for the commitment Uh, and so that's uh, what I like about Tim Brewster now he doesn't have a track record of lasting very long at a particular school before he moves on Uh, you know so I think you get what you can out of him and I think what you get out of him is you know a fine coach that's been able to develop some great talent in his career but also a guy that's just recruited really really well and if you're mad at the way that Dalvin Cook treated Florida um you know, in in terms of his commitment and everything else, well, then you can uh, you can look no further to your uh, your new tight end coach for the guy that helped pull off that uh, that scheme. So, uh, you know, long story short, you want a guy that can recruit really well at that position. You know, he's taking over uh, you know a, a great you know talented position you know with Kyle Pitts and you know some of the developmental guys. So, you know, that's a, again Dan Mullen noticing areas to improve and and knocking it out of the ballpark. So, I uh, a so big shout out for, to Dan Mullen and to uh, to welcome Tim Brewster to the staff.
1: Yeah, and this is a, a real good year to to have Tim down in Dade. Dade County is loaded with a lot of talent. Um, Luke likes to tweet every time a little bit, a, a little every so often about the big three teams and the recruiting guys that are hired. Uh, he's been a Tim Brewster fan. They've been buddy-buddy a long time. So Tim Brewster is very familiar with South Florida. His face is going. It's a great time to have that face in, in locker rooms around here, man. Other than that, he, he like I said, he inherited Kyle Pitts, um, like like Dan yep. said, and there's not a whole lot for him to coach up and do there. You know what I'm saying? I think Kyle Pitts is a guy that's going to do what he got to do and go first round after the season, regardless. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. There's been some, since we're talking coaches, there has been some off the field smoke. Uh, we haven't, but well, I haven't uh, confirmed anything, but there's some Charlie Strong smoke out there. Have you heard anything, Dan? Yeah, no, I, you and I are in the same boat.
2: I haven't heard anything confirmed, and I know that Ben Troop wrote an article yesterday uh, that mentioned that Charlie Strong was coming on staff. I've not seen that confirmed. I've talked to a few people, and they haven't uh, said it's confirmed. It doesn't mean that it's not confirmed, but I do know that he has been in talks uh, with uh, Dan Mullen in the Florida Staff. I know that Kerwin Bell uh, is in the same position, and then you and I uh, so have talked about a few other or uh, you know coaches that have talked. Uh, I think Dan Mullen is dotting his eyes crossing his T's, you know, national signing day being last Wednesday, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a bit. Um, you know, I think he's starting to get his ducks in a row to figure out what that what that staff looks like. At the end of the day, they're off, you know, the field guys, so they're not going to be out recruiting. So there's not a huge rush uh, right now to, to necessarily completely fill out that staff. And, you know, some of these other guys might be weighing their options right now. Uh, you know, right after National Signing Day, you saw it with South Carolina, you saw it with Tennessee, you've seen it with some other schools. You know, a lot of coaches will will leave. So, you know, I think some of this is a wait and see for uh, these guys as well before they sign on to be uh, analysts or or off the field coaches with Florida. They might see what their options are uh, as well. But but for now, uh, you and I both heard that, that Charlie Strong is not officially on staff.
1: Yeah, I haven't heard anything official. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of smoke out there. And um, Ben Troop had that article. And a lot of people's adding us in it, asking if it was official. I don't. I haven't heard anything official, regarding that. But like Dan says, uh, some other uh, names out there that's, that have smoke around it as well. Uh, we can't pin down and confirm exact names. Dan like to, uh, to like with well Dan Mullen likes to confirm and, and announce things on his time. He's in no rush. This mm-hmm. is this is off season. But the names that have been mentioned, I'm loving it. Um, we need all right. those the, those type of brains game planning and, and that's how you make national championship runs. This is what uh Nick Saban does. Uh he boasted his staff and loads up with guys that are looking to rebuild their image and get back out into the coaching market, maybe on the uh, on the lap here to try to figure some things out. And those are guys we need to bring into the building, man, just to help us game plan and get things together. Uh Charlie yeah. Strong getting Grantham's coffee is a plus for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so we'll we'll see I, I would imagine over the next couple of weeks, right before we get into spring football, you'll start to hear some more names and then you'll start to see, you know, more trickle in. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some former NFL guys, uh, you know, make the, you know, the list of analysts. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Charlie Strong or Kerwin Bell or a few other guys um, who, who we've talked about or so you've talked about on on your logo talk show. Uh, but but for right now, it's all kind of conjecture. And so we'll see. Uh, but but right now I love the steps that Dan Mullen's taking. Uh, like you said, uh, you know, there's no reason that Florida shouldn't be able to compete with the guys that Alabama's getting or Auburn's getting or Georgia's getting. You know, Florida has just as good of a trajectory right now as any program uh, in college football. So you know, Dan Mullen is a coach that guys want to learn under and, and coach with. And you know, same with Todd Grantham and you know, same with uh, you know a David Turner and you know uh, Brian Johnson. Coaches want to learn from these guys, Billy Gonzalez. So you know, when you have staff members. like like that where they want to learn from. You know, you're going to have this consistent flow of, of talented uh, coaches coming in every year and and that's what you love to see.
1: Absolutely. Um let's talk so transfer, transfer reporter talk. Okay. Running back transfer from Penn State University, Ricky Slade was yep. on the is on the market. Uh reported there was some interest from his side with UF. Uh Jackie from Rivals, Gator, GatorTerritory.com reported today that there's no answer from outside. We're not interested in another grad trans well not a grad transfer, another transfer report running back. So mm-hmm. um right now as far as running back wise it looked like it's Zach Evans a bust What's your opinion on the Ricky Slade thing and and our chances with uh Zach Evans?
2: Yeah I you know again Zach Evans is as up in the air as you could be under a recruit. He's a guy that you know, Florida, I think, feels comfortable if they can get him on campus. Being able to, to to potentially secure that commitment again, the biggest question is, are you able to get him on campus? Uh, I'm not necessarily disappointed they didn't go after Slade. I think that you know, Slade is a fine running back. I don't think he necessarily adds anything to their running room, or running back room today. I think if Florida were to lose a guy, um, and I'm not going to you know guess names on who Florida might lose, uh, but you know, if they were to lose a guy, it might have been nice to have. But with you know a full roster of running backs, I don't think that Slade, you know particularly helps with with an area that florida uh is missing um if they didn't get lingard i think it's a completely different story but um you know slate is fine but i you know i wish him well wherever he does go you have a different yeah i agree with
1: you on that i agree um i think i don't want two running backs that i'm recruiting in the same year waiting for waivers you know like i think that they're around they're the same in the same class if not like a class apart and then you got two guys waiting on the waiver. What if both don't get it? And then both of them, it kind of re- affects your recruiting class right. for the twenty-one guys. So I agree with the staff on this, man. Zach Evans a bust. I was, I was pretty much lingered. I thought we missed on gifts. I was found just taking linger. Um, so we mm-hmm. have a chance with Zach Evans, and, and the, I'm gonna trust Dan Mullen on this. A lot of people got a lot of opinions about Zach Evans and the things around his recruitment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust Dan Mullen with with. Uh, him judging the character and bringing these guys on campus—if he thinks we got the locker room culture to deal with a kid like Zach Evans—and and again, I don't, I'm not hearing anything crazy off the field, like as far as criminal activity. Right. But there are some red flags around his recruitment. But if the staff sees and see something, they're interested, and in, they don't see any any liabilities that could that could backfire or anything on us, man. I'm gonna I'm go with Dan Mullen on it, either yes or no. If he decides it's not a kid for our locker room. I'm fine with it and if he takes them I'm fine with it but that's an elite talent. Yeah. Yeah,
2: no, he's definitely a guy worth, you know, kicking the tires on. And, you know, obviously, you know, Dan Mullen and their staff still feel comfortable. And, you know, I talked a little bit about it last. I think it was either Wednesday or Thursday. You know, obviously Florida does feel confident or, or certainly more comfortable uh, in it than, you know, a lot of our fans do. And, and, and certainly writers and everybody else that's closer to the program. Um, you know, I know that Florida feels like they can get Zach Evans um, if they are brewing the building. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, right now he doesn't have a ton of options either. I know a lot of schools would take him, uh, you know, but the schools that he's looking at, you know, he, he, he looks like he would fit in really well with Florida. Now it's just a matter of, can they get him on campus? And then can they close him? Uh, you know, Florida is in need of an elite running back. Uh, they don't have one on campus right now. That's, you know, Damien Pierce is good, Um, But Zach Evans is a game-changer. We Landing a guy like Zach Evans is a game-changing type of commitment. And Florida needs those game-changing type of commitments. They've been able to get a few on the uh, defensive side of the ball. Now it's that opportunity to try to get on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm excited, man. We'll see what happens. We got a couple more guys that we're waiting on as well with uh, Leonard Manuel, wide receiver, uh, originally from Vanguard, and also – Mark Britt, uh, athlete. Two guys that we're waiting yep. on right now. Two four-star. Well, uh, one, one's a three-star. Leonard Manuel got dropped, but I'm gonna call him a four-star out of out of just kind of sense. Um, So Leonard Manuel and Mark Britt are two guys that we're waiting on to pretty much qualify academically. Um, it's not official, but I mean mm-hmm. the elephant in the room. We kind of know what's going on right yeah. now. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad that Dan didn't let those guys sign. And then not make it in. It's a better look for us. It looked like Dan has a a, a a handle on what's going on with the program. Mm-hmm. He's not looking dumbfounded or trying to figure out things after these kids don't qualify. So I'm fine with it. But from everything I'm hearing on Leonard Manuel's side, they think he's gonna qualify. Um, that's okay. the people around his school, the administrators, and, and and some of these guys that are close to him think he's unqualified. I don't know a whole lot about Mark Britt and right. his what what scores he needs, type of GPA he has. I was kind of caught off guard when they say yeah academic issues. So I don't know a whole lot about that recruitment.
2: Yeah, I don't know either. And I know that they both are officially announcing over the next, I think Mark Britt is later this month. Is it this month or is it in March? I think it's, it's the March. 20th. Okay. So it's in March. Uh, so he's in March and Leonard Manuel is April 1st. Uh, you know, so theoretically Florida is still recruiting. Both of those is our understanding. Uh, it's our understanding that they're both takes if they qualify. Um, but I think that that's all we know right now. Uh, you know, Zach Evans. You know, I think Florida has room for two. I think. Yeah. Um, so if both of those sign, uh, that means that Mark Evans didn't sign, or Zach Evans. Pardon me. Uh, but I don't see both of those guys being in this class. Do you still?
1: I think we got more. I think we got room for um, all three of those guys. Do you? Okay. I- I don't know how the numbers shake out, but if you just do the basic math of us missing on Avante, he was a take, and so with these guys then. I don't know how the numbers shake out, how they figured out the math, but uh, I think all all three of these guys that's left on the board are takes.
2: And and, and I know that Florida is going to just naturally going to lose at least one person to a transfer to a a medical... you know, hardship, whatever it might be. There's going to be a spot that opens up by the time that they were to enroll. Uh, Just look at the numbers now. I think Florida does only have two spots. But, again, that's, you know, just semantics more than anything. Uh, So since we're on the subject, uh, do you want to talk about National Signing Day at all? I mean, um, you know, Florida went into the day uh, ranked number eight in the country. They finished the day uh, ranked number eight in the country. They were able to get uh, four-star defense. And Princely Uman Milan uh, is what I'm going with until I'm corrected. Uh, so they were able to get him out of Texas. Uh, he chose Florida over Texas Baylor and Auburn. Uh, that was a, a good get for Florida. I know Florida thinks that he can really project into a potential first-round draft pick. And they're very, very high on him. Uh, but they did miss um on everybody else that announced on National Signing Day, including uh a guy that we said uh was probably the biggest shoe in be in this class, and that was uh four-star. Ah, uh, safety number two, safety in the country, and uh, Lorenzo Lingard's cousin Avante Williams. So, so Correct. Uh, talk a little bit about that, and um, he ultimately signed with Miami. But so, talk to us a little bit about uh, what went down there, if
1: you if you know much. Ah, uh, totally blindsided, man. I think everybody was blindsided. There was some smoke from Miami side. Uh, Andrew Ivins on Miami two four seven board uh, said that it was closer than people thought, I and mean, it was like a 50 I I wasn't believing that. I was just thought that. Uh, I met Avante, was just creating some smoke like most of these kids do. It was looking a little, a little obvious. I thought uh, and Ratliff had a relationship there. We were close out because of that relationship. Uh, it's a huge mess. There's no way to paint this a pretty way. It's a kid that I think we got his cousin or his play cousin. Right now, we got to call his play cousin, Dan. We've been trying to figure this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, there's no way it's his real cousin, right? Mm mm. Keppy. Yeah, they're just playing around. They're playing yeah, around. Yeah, he cool. wouldn't transfer to the school. Or he wouldn't
2: sign with the school that his real cousin just transferred from.
1: That nah, makes no sense. I'm pretty no. sure Lorenzo had to tell him, like the, the the culture down there is all jacked up. Um, it's a miss for us, but it's also a miss for Avante. I wish that kid the absolute best, but from making a football decision and a business decision, he made a huge mistake. Um, I think we had the opportunity for him to play early. I think we have the better defensive back coaches. I think we have the better program, hands yeah. down. The, the the right decision relationship wise with Keyone, his cousin. I, mean, I, I don't want to get into saying anybody did anything dirty because they won, mm-hmm. and, we, and I think I don't care what they did to get him. We should have we should have won that guy. Yeah. That's, that's a position we struggled at all year. Mm-hmm. Um, we need talent back there. The position is still going to be up in the air next year. I think Abonte is talented enough to to come in and, and challenge for a spot in the fall. And they dropped the ball and missed him there. Yeah, and they were surprised. Uh, you know, I know his
2: coach was surprised as well. You know, they had a cake made up that said congratulations, Avante, uh, in uh, orange and blue writing. Uh, I know that he had told uh, the Florida staff that he was coming to uh, to Florida. Um, I know that 15 crystal balls on 247 had him going to Florida. So it it is a miss. Um, you know, I think, you know, it's my understanding that he was able to get and talk to, to Ed Reed. Um, Ed Reed is a new coach. Um, yeah, and chief of there. staff. He's something. Yeah. He's something over there. But he it's not a position coach, so I'm yeah. I'm kind of confused uh, on that. Certainly, you can talk to Ed Reed, uh, you know. But obviously, there's some very strict limitations about what he's able to do, uh, you know. But like you said, so I wish him the best. You know, I, I still am really happy with you know how Florida ended uh, on the safety trail, but that is a that is a big miss. That's a guy. Again, we we've talked about on this show, and we'll talk about it to the you know to where blue in the face. But you need to get those elite players. Um, and gosh, man, you gotta be able to keep those elite players from going to a school like Miami.
1: Yeah, you just gotta win that battle. Um, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not terribly upset about it, but I want it. You that's a kid you gotta get. I'm just not gonna lose sleep about it because I see it for what it is, right? Um, that kid didn't, <laughs> there there ain't nothing that our coach could have sold him on if he was choosing Miami. Now, if you're choosing maybe Oregon, that was another team that was on his list, or, or Georgia. You kind of get it, but the difference in programs—a six-win team—and and, and Manny, likely he's not going to be there his whole career or his whole time in school. Like none of it made sense, man. So when when we lose like yep. that, I just know it's, it's it's sometimes it's just some some things we can't do. But you got to bring a guy in like right. Brewster. You know, he figures that yep. he figures all that out. So yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I don't like expect us to miss some
1: guys like that anymore. Guys that make those yeah. type of decisions, the Davin Cooks and Avantes. I expect yep. us to land those guys with Tim
2: and, and I'm here for it. Uh, just to round out the day, just cause we've talked a lot about a Jameer Gibbs signed with Georgia tech, uh, shot Clayton, signed with Colorado, Cedric Van Prant signed with Georgia. Uh, I'm sure we're missing a, a few others, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Florida finishes, Backwards. just deep back was signed with Tennessee. Uh, yeah. Deep Beck was signed with Tennessee. His uh, cousin is preferred walk on there. Uh, yeah, that was a loss for Florida as well. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about him and you know where he fits into to Florida's uh, offense and and he would have been an outstanding playmaker in Florida's offense. and he's gonna go to Tennessee where um, he just lost uh, you know one of his coaches over there, and you know, they just had some big toner over on their staff. So I, you know, again, wish him well, Don't you know have any sour grapes over that. Uh, you know but uh, again, that's a that's a guy that you know I think Tim Brewster lands that that we that we missed on. you know, so Florida had, some some misses, and it's okay to say that. We just get better for the next cycle.
1: That's it. Refresh. Hit the refresh button. We on the twenty one cycle, Nemo four class. Let's get rocking, man. Yeah, off season, Dan.
2: Of, yeah, speaking of that, uh, rivals announced, and you know a lot of the the, the services over the next few weeks will start yeah, yeah. to announce there. Uh, they're five stars and in, in future five stars for the uh, the class of 2021 uh but, uh, but shout out to Tyreek Sapp he's Warren Sapp's son he plays at St. Thomas Aquinas uh,
1: that's nice son
2: Oh, was, uh, re- relation? No. Anyway, um, play cousin. Play cousin. Yeah,
1: play. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Ty- Tyreek Sapp, who's a, of no relation or maybe of some relation to Warren Sapp, uh, is uh, a five-star. Uh, you know, a guy that's been committed to Florida for for quite some time now. Uh, committed, I think, the, even before this season started last summer, uh, I believe. And so, uh, but he was ranked number uh, number ten uh, in the country uh, for for uh, for Florida for next season. <laughs> or uh, in the Rivals five-star uh, rankings for next season. So so shout out to him and, and his, uh, you know, his meteoric rise. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, Florida's been really high on uh, for a while and, and watched some camp film of him uh, from this past weekend and, and really uh, looked outstanding.
1: Yeah, that's also a kid. Kids like that, we're going to to recruit to the end of the cycle because the big dogs, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, mm-hmm. everybody that's somebody going to want uh, Tyree Sapp. So as a kid, we're going to recruit to the very end. Absolutely, and you know,
2: and I and I think you know, like you said, Silk Florida sits right now with the number four recruiting class in the country, and I, I mean, I truly believe that this is you know the year there should be no reason that Florida doesn't finish with a top five recruiting class this year. You you've upgraded your recruiting room with your David Turners, your um, your Torian Grays, your Christian Robinson, uh, your Brian Johnson. You know he has a great you know reputation now. You had a Tim Brewster in there. You know now all of a sudden Florida has some some dynamic recruiters, and now yeah, you it have to be. On it yeah you have to be able to be you know you have to make that move from eleven to eight and then from eight to five right and that's where Florida needs to be you you if Dan Mullen can develop the talent that he can you know with Mac owain's guys and mushchamp's guys you know imagine what he could do with your guys that that every single school in the country wants and be able to develop those guys uh, that gives you a head start rather than trying to develop you know that um you know, that, that tweeter, that diamond in the rough that you found and, and,
1: and hope that he turns out? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think we got a lot of diamond in the rough this offseason, man, Mm-mm. or this recruiting cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go on the limb. I think that the recruiting class that we got this cycle, this cycle is going to make the playoffs. Okay. I think, I think this recruiting class sees the playoff. I, the guys, you have a quarterback, Anthony Richardson, is going to be a phenomenal player. I think he's going to be the best athlete we've seen at quarterback since Cam Newton. Okay. Uh, I'm excited about that. I think Derrick Wingo is a is a, a no-brainer five star outside yep. linebacker, pass rusher, whatever you want to call him. I don't care which recruiting service didn't get him five stars. He's just a little drunk. That's all they'll figure it out. <laughs> they'll figure it out real soon in his um college career. Um Gervon Dexter, another dog. Uh like this is gonna be a phenomenal player, top 10 ten-ish draft pick one day. Sure. Uh Josh Braun. I think he plays this fall. I think going to be an anchor on that line, as, as, as well as Isaiah Walker, another blue mm-hmm. chip player. We got some studs, bro. Sure. We got guys to anchor this team down and really going to be the foundation of, of what we got moving forward. I think these guys make the playoffs. Yeah, we got absolutely. We've been had the coaching, so we're going to yeah, see they, what's up.
2: They've got some great talent. You added a guy like Justin Shorter in there as well. Uh, you, you, you Florida does look you know great. Uh, I think moving forward, it's now a matter of consistently doing it and then just continuing to upgrade, right? Because there's still Correct. areas that we could have upgraded. You know, we you you just mentioned a bunch of great players from that staff. We probably could have added another, you know, obviously could have added a running back. We obviously I hate to say have...
1: Xavier Hennison. Like, yeah. we got some go-getters, bro. Absolutely. Uh, like those, yeah, and some straight up uh, guys that win, they want to win. They got high aspirations and, and want to be great. We got mm-hmm. I think we got a real good recruiting class. Uh, I think a lot of people getting too down on the on the staff. Yeah. Uh of course we can upgrade. We like we all want to. uh mm-hmm. I think we need to our safety play needs to be better as well. Sure. Uh, our running back recruit with Knox needs to step his game up, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can fix those problems. We still got opportunity sure. this cycle to fix the running back. We got Lingard in. It's not like and, and I think Lingard from his potential is extremely high. I seen some rope pulls with him and Savage and these guys mm-hmm. offseason. That lead that knee looks healthy. He was dragging sure. my man Trey Dean a
0: little bit.
2: Sign of things to come. But uh, you know, I'm a, I'm excited about what we uh what we have out there. And you know, Florida's you know really starting to put together some you know consistent rosters that you know not only are talented, but they're they're deep in the right areas. You know, you're gonna field 17 offensive linemen you're gonna field you know five running backs you're gonna field a solid stable of tight ends and, and wide receivers you're gonna have deep defensive line right so that's what I really like about this staff and you know we, we talked about this two seasons ago right before uh, the season started on the Gator panel about you know how Florida had recruited okay you know when their rankings said that they were okay but their classes were so unbalanced and what we're seeing yeah. now is that Florida's recruiting well, and they're recruiting balanced classes now. Certainly, you know there's some areas that they can get better in, but you know at the end of the day, they're filling some of those in the uh, the transfer portal as well, at the tight end and you know in the or uh, pardon me at the wide receiver and the running back room. They they filled it, uh, you know, last year and the year before that with the in the wide receiver room as well. So you know, as long as you can continue to do that, now it's just to continue press forward to to get better. And you know, I I, I trust this staff and I like the staff that's there to
1: uh, to do it. Absolutely. You recruit these monsters. You get them on campus, and then you introduce them to the monster builder, Nick Savage. Have you seen uh, Zach? You seen I, I have.
2: Carter?
1: I have, and I still owe him an apology for
2: calling him out on Twitter. Uh, you know, before and during that South Carolina game. But uh, he looks like a, a guy that could move inside. We were talking about it right before the show. Uh, he looks like a, uh, a full bore out there.
1: Yeah, he put on that that. <laughs> I don't know what they what the plans for him, uh, I'd be guessing right now. I haven't talked to anybody about that, man, but that bulk up is real. Um, he's looking he's looking real good, Paul's. Uh, Nick Savage is doing his thing with these guys in the weight room. We got to get Nick Savage on here to, to talk a little off-season conditioning, man. I'm ready to off-season. I'm excited about these boys working out. I'm ready for some spring football. I'm ready for all the shenanigans, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, it should be a uh, a great season and or a great off season, and excited for the orange and blue debut, and excited for some of the stuff that we have as as, uh, as well playing for uh, for some baseball. We've got a baseball tailgate that we've been talking about. We got some other stuff that's uh, that's coming out, but you yeah, you can definitely catch me in Gainesville for that orange and blue uh orange and blue debut.
1: Also, Junior Day. Uh, the next Junior Day is March seventh. I expect us to get some guys to pop, commit while while on the um. While on that visit, um, we'll see exactly what, what the, the list is as it gets closer. But March 7th is the next big recruiting weekend that everybody should be looking out for, man. We got a special guest coming on today, Dan. Let's get this read out of the way so we can hang out with a legend. Absolutely.
2: This uh, this episode, as always, is brought to our friends uh, at South Georgia Pecan. Give them a call at 800 732 2646 or visit them at georgiapecan.com. Uh, By the time you read this, it's probably too late to get your Valentine's Day gift. So the next holiday is probably (laughs) Earth Day. So for Earth Day, for all of your Earth Day gifts, uh, give uh, South Georgia Pecan a call, 800-732-2646. And then again, that's georgiapecan.com. And this time we got a legend. We got an NCAA champion, an
1: NBA champion, Maurice Spates. Who do you give a gift to on Earth Day? A hippie. Berg, I got you. Okay, I'm going to get Berg. Berg, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I missed it. That was a setup.
1: I tried to set you up, bro. Oh, man. Hey, Cam, let's go, man. Let's hang out. Let's ride.
0: You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale.
2: And joining us for the first time on Stadium and Gale is former... Florida Gator, center and power forward, first round draft pick, NBA champion, NCAA champion, Maurice Spates. Maurice, how are you?
3: I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to be on the show. Um, I'm excited about the show. So, what's going on with y'all guys, man?
2: Absolutely, man. Well, Maurice, t- talk to us a little bit about uh, how you ended up in uh, at UF. You're originally from St. Pete. Um, you played in, in St. Pete for a bit. You also played in Virginia. But how'd you end up a Florida Gator?
3: Um, they was recruit me for a long, not not really a long time, but they was recruit me a lot. Um, the whole time while I was in high school down here, when I was transferred to with I went to Hargrave, they was recruit me. Donnie Jones did a great job, and Donnie Jones did a great job for always popping up at school. And when I first came back from Hargrave, I went up there in the atmosphere, and I was like, oh, this time I want to be a part of, so that's how I ended up going there
2: awesome so so obviously you were there uh at Florida when they uh, won a national championship uh and then you also saw kind of a changing in the guard with the the o fours leaving going early and then you know the seasons after that talk to us a little bit about your time uh playing for florida and then and then ultimately uh projecting yourself into the uh, to the first round of the uh the nba draft
3: oh it was good it was, it was it was fun man the time was so it went so fast man so Sometimes I think about it and sometimes I forget how fast it went, but it was an amazing time, man. Those guys helped me uh, produce into a a pro guy who who ended up playing 10 10 plus years in the league, so those guys helped me a lot. Um, The coaches, uh, everybody who was a part of the University of Florida helped all the the guys who made it pro. They they all understand where I'm coming from with that, so it was fun, man. My ultimate goal was to go to the league, and I Going
1: there and playing there for a long time, and in Hey, Maurice. Um, what's up? It's Silk, man. The Gators, now, the Gators are traditionally known as a football program. Um, before, before you guys took off and and kind of going to that national championship, it was pretty much a football program. What was it or football school? What was it like uh, getting that that first national championship and kind of putting Florida on the map as far as basketball? What was that experience like?
3: So now with me, with me, I played, I played, I played in the second one, the Ohio State one. So the first one I went there, I wasn't feeling prep school, but just like, and and that one was still a great feeling uh, and great uh, something you I can always remember. So winning the championship there, though, man, it, 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 was, it was a life changing experience to be able to be at the top of something that you just seen the year before. The the guys holding up the trophy and confetti coming down, and never thought. In million years, I've been in that kind of position, so it was a life changing experience. And all those guys on that team is always—you always be brothers because you always. Y- y'all guys probably know you go to college. You sometimes you'll never forget certain people. So those are guys I'll never forget.
1: What was the culture like under Billy? There, um, we were experiencing. I experienced uh, Gator basketball before Billy and after
3: Billy. What was the culture like when you guys were playing there? Just grinding, man. We grinding. Coach is a coach. Going for sure get the best out of you every time. And and, and he kind of let us. He kind of let us uh, coach ourselves a little bit because the team was so older my our, our first year. But second year is a little different. He had to teach a little bit more. We had t- freshmen coming in there, so the team looked a different. But coach is a good coach, man. He got the best out of you, and and, and he made sure to let you know that if you was, if you was messing around, he'll let you know. So.
1: And in, in then in, in the NCAA tournament, when um, like when when you guys get to like an elite eight, do you start like looking like okay, we can make a run here? Uh, we might be able to do something. Or what was what was the vibes like around the team when you guys start making a run? Oh, guys, just
3: well those guys. Like I said, those guys just had did it. Those guys just had did it the year before. So the expectations was already high, the whole team coming back, so everybody knew that if we don't win, gonna, if we don't win it's gonna be a bad season for us. So we went through a we went through a couple rough passes at the end of the season. We lost we lost two in a row, I think, to Tennessee and uh LSU or something. So after that it was like our wake up call. And after that we just took off in the playoffs. I mean in, in, in the tournament. Played some good teams. Play good Purdue team, Oregon team. So
1: yeah. On the, next, on, on, the, on the year you guys won the title, who was the leader on that team? Who, who was the, 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 the big voice in the locker room that kind of held everything together?
3: I could say uh, Al Hartford. Uh, Chris Richard was big at that. Mm-hmm. He was an older guy. Uh, well, all of them '04 4s really.
2: Yeah. The and Baltimore so, you, obviously, you, you you mentioned the O forge you know, you had Joaquin Noah you Chris Richard and uh, Al Horford, the rest of them. Obviously, a lot of personalities. What was it like going, you know, into, you know, college, you know, with a team that had just come off a national championship and trying to fit, you know, in with with that program? And obviously, you know, they won another national championship. But what was that like, that transition from from high school to college for you?
3: It was so real. It it was crazy because, like I said, I just came from watching these guys win the championship, so all of them coming back. So I'm in, I'm, in, I'm 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 lined up with them every day, practicing with them. So it was a cool. it it was it was it was it was great to be around them It help me a lot, mature with my game and just just to see how they work every day, see how they prepare themselves every day for the battle. So that was something that uh, I for sure. Um, got from them, and, and, and just always being a professional, man. Even in college, the guys is always professional. They work hard. They're, they're early. They're getting treatment. They're doing all the little stuff to, to prepare themselves for the, the next level, and, and that's why I took a lot from Joe Kim and Al Horford and Chris Richard and all those guys, man. So it was, yeah, man. It, it was...
2: Did did you know, you know, so you committed and obviously signed your, your letter of intent with Florida before they, before they won their first national championship. Did you think that they yeah. had it in them to to win the, the first year or, or were you a bit surprised or what was it like to watch as a signee of a team that, you know, really wasn't expected to win the national championship?
3: Nah, it, it was like when I was at Hargrave and, and, and when I was at Hargrave Military Academy, you got to understand that we got – uh. We got 10 D1s on our team, so nobody, like you said, nobody expected Florida to win, but that game they played Syracuse in New York, I think it was a tournament, and that's the first time I seen Syracuse get out of their zone. I was like, oh, yeah, these boys might have a chance of winning it. And the, the season kept going on and on, and made that run. I, it was crazy that, in my school I was going to, because we had a McDonald's All-American up there at Hargrave, and he was going to Georgetown. He ended up transferring to Florida to Vernon Macklin so gosh like well y'all all right. Oh y'all y'all got pretty good over there.
2: I, said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. And then so uh, i, I want to touch you a little bit about your, your time in the NBA a bit of a journeyman you played for the sixers the grizzlies Cavs, warriors uh, clippers magic and now you're um, you just finished uh, playing over in uh in china but i want to talk to you a little bit um i guess about a few things and you and i had had chatted last week a, a little bit about it. it was a little bit more topical but wanted to talk to you about your experience playing with Kobe Bryant in the NBA, obviously, you know, playing in the Western Conference area you know, towards the end of uh, Kobe's career, uh, you had a pretty heartfelt um, message on on Facebook. But, but, what was your experience like playing with uh, with Kobe Bryant?
3: Uh, Guys always ask me, "Who do you think the best player in the league, or whoever you play against?" I always say Kobe instead of LeBron because when it's Kobe on the court, you understand he's on the court. He ain't no, he ain't no messing around. He, he, bought his business. He's going to make sure he, y'all understand y'all on the court from y'all for like, the game and the referees. So, it's just the energy, man. When that man was on the court, anywhere around you, the energy is crazy. He's like, yeah, it's about his business. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no messing around. It's about his business. You watch him warm up before the game, He's about his business, you know? So, all that kind of stuff, man, as a player, you see that stuff, and you're like, man, that man is really, that's the reason why he's himself. But, and I mean, things happen in life, and it's sad to see him go. But like I said, he he left his earth on a uh, definitely touched a lot of people, a lot of people, and that's what it's all about, man. Leaving his earth and, and touching people in the way he absolutely, did it, so. absolutely, yeah,
1: that's definitely what it's all about. I'm gonna let you get the um, the Kobe the Kobe take off because. It is, it's still fresh, man. I'm a LeBron um, stand, but I'm going to let you get that off because it's still fresh, man. Who you grew up emulating um, your game out there? Or, or, or who was your favorite player?
3: I, who I really liked growing up was, like, Rasheed Wallace. Big guy I could shoot the ball, who was talking a lot of trash. Uh, I used to always uh, watch. Uh, like, like growing up, it was only, like, for me, when I was coming up from a neighborhood I come from, you only see Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, and Orlando Magic. So, it wasn't until I got older until I started realizing way more teams. You see what I'm saying? So, I wasn't. Yeah. I started playing basketball 11th grade year. So, I started playing basketball late. You see what I'm saying? I wasn't really into basketball wow. like that. I always football and basketball and baseball.
0: Hmm.
1: What made you start playing football? Did you outgrow it? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I got tall. I got, I got too tall for that. <laughs> <laughs> what position did you play? Just curious, what position did you play? I played quarterback and tight end. No okay. kidding. <laughs> yeah, you a modern-day Grakowski, man. You just didn't know it yet, man. Rasheed Wallace is a, a, is a crazy uh, – I like that. I like the attitude. Rasheed Wallace is one of my favorite players all the time. Um, one of the old-school guys, a gangster, man. Um, kind of in that Rodman role, here to play defense, rebound. Get you some buckets. I like that a, a, a ton, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Is it, was that what you liked Real about this game?
3: Yeah, for sure. He was always tough. He, didn't get, he don't care what nobody say about him. He don't go out there and play his game. That's what it's all about. You know, just go out there and play, man. You don't forget what somebody say about you. You know what I mean? And then, for my it's crazy because my first year, my first year in the league, my rookie year, right before we played the Pistons. That was my first game we ever started. Coach was like, "Oh, you you gonna start tonight?" I'm like, "Yo, that's crazy!" <laughs> and, and just
0: watch, you know what
3: I mean, that's, that's my favorite player growing up, and I'm gonna be able to start my first time ever. You know what I mean, so you were scared that was, that was a little a bit. bit. No, I, was a little I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. I was always a little nervous. Not scared like that. No, no, I wasn't scared like that. I was nervous. I was just happy to be on the court with him. You know what I mean? So.
1: What's your favorite NBA moment?
3: Uh, I don't want to say winning the championship because everybody, I mean, that's the given. But winning the um, when I was with the Warriors, we won the, the seventy third, winning that seventy third game. Yeah, It's misses—that was crazy. No, you part of history, crazy. bro. That's not, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That was one that was that was a fun that was a fun moment right there, man. See all those it was like a championship game. We beat Memphis. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> I
0: yeah,
3: I, I do, do too. I hated that team. But yeah, I do remember it. <laughs> I, I,
1: so. Uh Go ahead Mar- there.
2: Maurice, so where you, you you played um you know, a lot of different places. And obviously, you know, you playing for for Golden State, you know, that year. How does that compare? Obviously, winning 73 games is is a huge accomplishment, but obviously there's probably a ton of pressure, um, you know, on your shoulders. And then obviously the season didn't end the way that you guys wanted to. What was it like playing that year compared to to playing your other years for for other teams in the NBA?
3: Oh, oh my God. You got to think about it. All right. You got to think about it. We we, we, we was a team. We just came off to losing. We just came from losing uh, to the Clippers in Game 7. So the year before, my first year there with Mark Jackson. Then the next year, yeah. everybody just came into the camp way better. So nobody had no expectations to win a championship. Nobody in our locker room thought we could win a championship. Everything kept coming together, and all everybody got better. And we was like, oh, yeah, we could really make a run at this. You see what I'm saying? Then after we won, won that championship, we won that. Then the next year... We come back to we know we got we got a target on the back, and then we end up coming out winning 24 straight. And everybody don't understand that year. I think we won 24 straight, but everybody don't understand yes. that year that once you a champion, and once you come back to the next year, you getting everybody best. So we played 24.
1: Oh, absolutely. We played
3: 24. We played 24 straight games of everybody best every night. So I, I can say that yeah, that, that caught up with us at the end of the year. That caught up with us, you know. 'Cause you ain't, cause usually you playing for you playing teams who sometimes don't feel like playing. No, no, no. When you the Warriors coming to the arena, you playing everybody best. After if y'all ever lose if we win if we lose, you got confetti coming down for the playoffs. Like just a regular game. You know what I'm saying? So We're, the stress of that yeah, the I, stress of that competing just competing every night gets everybody best, people don't understand that. It wasn't just no regular game. No, every game was a championship game for the other teams. And we had to make sure. and then that year we was playing good basketball. We was winning because we know how to win, but but we wasn't really playing like team. Run, I mean, we were just winning because we know how to. We, we had the will to win. So
1: yeah, that's what's up. What was it like? Um, what what was the change like between Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr? Did, did the players feel any type of grudge or some type of way when
3: Mark got let go?
1: What was the vibes like with that? That
3: that's some. That's something I always still to say like, man, I don't know how this dude don't have a job. Like, I'm saying Mark Jackson. The guy, the guy basically changed that organization around. A lot of people won't give him credit for that, but he did. So, yeah, he did what that dude, he left. I'm surprised he don't have no job now because he's one of the best coaches I've ever had. So, just when, when Coach came, when Coach Kirk came, the only it was a lot different because he was like, don't turn the ball over. And just, and he and Harry are older team. A guys who's been together for three or four years. So, with that kind of team, think about it. You don't really got to do too much. You already got a team who's been together for, like, three or four years. So Yeah. You know
1: I think you was a part of, like, yeah, low-key, you was a part of, I mean, you got there on the second champ- uh, championship run with UF. But that was in the midst of a, of a big culture change in, 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 in Gator basketball. And I think the same thing was going on with Golden State. Um, you was yep. a part of a big culture change with, with Golden State, man. So I think with both of those, you've seen like the standard of of basketball change at each spot. Yep. What's your opinion on yep. the um, state of g- Gator basketball right now? I think the, the standard's starting to dip a little bit, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I, the same same me. I'm like... They could be so good. I could say last up because think about it. I don't really think before. Other than this year, they wasn't really the typical stuff. They weren't really getting big guys. You know what I mean? Like, when I was there, we was getting big yeah. guys. Florida was known for getting big guys. Now, they're getting all these guards and all that kind of stuff, and they so up and down. They could be good two games and go back down and lose a team under 500. So, it's a little different, man. It's a little different watching that. Well, when I watch it, it's a little different to see it. But uh, I don't really want to say nothing negative about it. But it's, I feel you. Everybody I feel you. Says It's the football. basketball, not the Florida basketball. I, I feel
1: either, you. So yeah, I'm. I'm still like I'm still on this Billy Donovan uh, era thing, man. I seen Crystal Balls <laughs> and Nets get cut, man. Um, are you coming to the, the the court naming ceremony?
3: That's next week, right? When when is it? This weekend? or something? Vanderbilt game. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's yes. this weekend. Maybe yeah, it's Saturday. Yeah, pretty... <laughs> hey, I don't think you're going if you haven't put that flight yet, Murray.
3: <laughs> no, I live. I live. No, I live in St. Pete. I live in Clearwater. Oh, sweet. Okay. Oh, okay. okay, that's I, what's I, fun. i am up there. Yeah.
2: Is Murray so sweet? pulling up? What
3: do you say? Are, Are you, you pulling pull up? up? Are you coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up. My am uh, Mur- to pull so
2: maurice what what are you what are you up to these days? I know you just finished playing a uh, a season over in China. um do you think you're gonna keep doing that or are you uh, about done now?
3: no i'm not I'm not done yet man I'm, okay. I'm still thirty two years old and I can play so right now I just well, I came back from China last February, so I took this year off to handle a couple of my stuff off the court business like my business stuff I have and you know I mean that kind of stuff so I probably play next season. I don't know where at yet, but y'all should see me playing somewhere soon. <laughs> I would. Te- what I would. would tell. What I would say. I would tell y'all what I'm gonna do, but I'll, I'll let. I'll let. I'll let y'all find that out soon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, bro. What uh? What are you doing in your uh, in your free time now?
3: Well, I got a trucking business. I got a, nice. I got a trucking business. At, uh. I'm starting I do that. I, I just be around my family and my wife and my, I'm and my friends. And I, I got an AAU team over here. An AAU organization over here I've been I've been doing the last 3 years and I've been around so uh, I'm just doing that just keep doing that kind of stuff, man, and just hanging out, man. What's the
1: craziest thing you've seen at AAU? I almost just I almost just got in a fight with another uh basketball dad like 30 minutes
3: ago, man. <laughs>
1: um <laughs> what's the craziest thing you have seen at AAU game? Yeah, man, it got a little intense.
3: Man. As a coach or as a player?
1: You no, know, as a coach, like thing crazy thing you say. Well a player either or. <laughs> it was the craziest thing you ever seen nah, from man, a parent. No,
3: nah, I just remember one time we was in uh I was in um playing AU. I was a player I was a player at the time. And we was in Baltimore, man. Whew. Man, we seen a Baltimore team, <laughs> man, they came Parents came, you already know about Baltimore, so
1: yeah, be more baby.
3: And they stuffing, they stuffing they, they they everybody. I'm like, yo, they stuffing parents. I see bloody people, bloody. You <laughs> see what I'm saying? I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. That's that's probably by far the, the crazy stuff I've seen though. Okay, yeah, man. I hope so. I hope so.
1: Bro. That sounds pretty intense. Hey, man, I appreciate you for hanging out with us, man.
3: No no problem, no problem, man. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you.
2: Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure. Hey, is there anywhere uh, that people can follow you on uh, social media, follow any of your businesses, or anything else?
3: Yeah, uh, I don't got no business um, social media yet, but I have some soon. My uh, my marketing guy kind of he he be taking a lot of breaks a lot, so.
2: All right, Maurice. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. We'd love to have you on in the future. Best of luck with everything that uh, that you do on the uh, on the court and off the court. All
1: right, thank you, man. Thank you all for having me.
2: Hey, go Gators!
1: Thanks for hanging out, man. Go Gators! All
2: right, go Gators. Maurice, Maurice. yeah, I got to hear more about this uh, on the uh, on the
1: sideline. That uh, beef that you're getting into. Man, this is the competitive juices got flowing. Man, uh, I'm usually pretty chill at the basketball games. I'm usually subdued. My wife is usually the one that's like, like extra competitive and like a little vocal. And I'm trying, I try to chill, man. But one of the dads just came with some different energy today. They ain't like these elves. damn. <laughs> so I had to turn up, man. I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass myself and say. How far I went. But I got a little excited today, man. Yeah? To chill.
2: All right. One. You going to leave the crock pot on next time?
1: No, nah, I can't <laughs> be doing that, man. Father-in-law was there. Um, so I had law enforcement on my side a little bit. In
2: oh, case things mean.
1: got a little weird. You know what I'm
2: saying? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I knew I
1: wasn't going to jail. You feel me? Like,
2: yeah, anyway. I got you. I got you. And, and Tyson, until they go to jail, I get it. I know how it works.
1: Yeah, you already know how it goes, yeah. man. All right. Dope interview, man. I enjoy hanging out with Maurice. Um, good to know that he thinks the Gators' standard needs to stay where where it was when Billy was here. Yeah,
2: you know he's he's obviously not following the program enough. He uh, he wasn't even he didn't even know what the court naming ceremony was. But I, I would imagine that if I'm a former player too at his level, uh, I'm getting a little frustrated too watching this team play. We'll have Eric on a little bit later. Talk a little bit more about that. But uh, another disappointing loss this weekend
1: absolutely we might as well get eric on next how about that let's hang yeah, that's out with good. Eric. That's all right you have now arrived at stadium and Gale. and back on the show we got my man eric fossey from gator country here to talk some blanco basketball eric how's it going
4: Hey, uh, it's, uh, it's going really good. I am so happy you guys are having me back on, uh, especially after, uh, you know, in the preseason, I came on and said that this was going to be a, a team competing for the final four, which, uh, looks like I was duped like a lot of people, but, uh, uh, you know, the fact you guys are having me back on, that's awesome. So thank you. Gary, you're, you're quick because
1: I was, that's what I was going to first, man. It's not the final 14. You, you promised me, bro.
4: No, it's, it's really not. And I mean, it's not even looking particularly close. So, uh uh i i will still say that i, I think that the t- the talents of this team is is still kind of final four quality uh, it, it certainly ha- hasn't come together they've taken some bad losses but uh you know it's uh, there's other people who thought this was going to be a final four team and and a lot of people that were you know national writers outside of the florida market that saw the talents and said hey this is a team going to compete for a championship so uh luckily i mean i wasn't the only one that was finessed here but uh Uh, It still doesn't make it uh, feel that much feel any better.
1: (laughs) Finesse is the right word. What do you think? I mean, we we all thought this team was loaded with talent. Um, they're not playing good basketball. It's not fun to watch. What is the issue? Uh,
4: well, I think you gotta you gotta look at a little bit of what Mike White's decision making, and uh, I think you've got to look at the style of play that he's trying to uh, trying to use for his guys, and it it just really hasn't fit the personnel. I mean, Andrew Demhart, the point guard, like he's the he's the Kyle Trask of of college point guards. He's a great passer, but, uh, not particularly, uh, not a particularly good athlete. Uh, not someone who can really make things happen on its own. And, and Florida was trying to play this dribble. You better ball, relax. Is- <laughs> You're getting you get a little excited, Eric. you better watch, yeah. the, you Better watch the trash talk, bro. You no, I, know. I got you. Well, I mean, they're playing something that's like as if they were dribble drive is like the read option equivalent. It's something that you need a really athletic guards for. And Noah Locke, Andrew Nembhardt, those are those are not really the guys for it. Uh, defensively, they're they're playing this really aggressive style where Kerry Blackshear needs to go out and and blitz ball handlers and sprint back. And uh, and that's not working. So I, I just think that uh, Mike White trying to play this particular style of basketball that, does, that doesn't fit his talent. I think that's a bit of a problem. And, uh, you know, you also uh, you also say like, well, uh, how did that happen? And I mean, it's 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 at a point where he, these are all his guys, they're guys he recruited. So uh, he recruited some talented guys, but he's using them in ways that uh, he's using them in ways that don't use their talents to the best of their ability. So I think you've got a point to uh, to coaching to at least uh, to at least some extent to say why the season has gone kind of sideways.
2: So so talk to us a little bit more, Eric, for the casual basketball fan like myself that can barely hit a jump shot. I can't even hit a jump shot, but barely make a shot. What does that mean? What, what is Mike White or, or the staff failing to do when it comes to development, uh, when it comes to roster um, uh, or, I guess, lineups? You know, I, I know that you've talked a lot about lineups in, in some of your tweets. Talk to us a little bit about where you see some of the failures on the, uh, on the coaching side of the ball.
4: Uh, Well, one thing, I'm glad you mentioned the lineup thing. It's something that, yeah, I've been pointing it out and kind of be uh, championing that. But, uh, you know, Mike White is not someone who is uh, particularly into analytics, not particularly into the stats. And uh, one thing that that one area that I think that that's really hurt the team is uh, Florida's rotations this year. The the groups of players they put together have been really poor. And I mean, like. For even the casual basketball fan, if you've gone to uh, if you've been watching a game and you see Florida has gone seven minutes without scoring, or the other team's on a 15-0 run, a lot of times it's because they have these really really poor lineups together that you just wonder why did they put this combination on the floor. So uh, so yeah, that was some of the work I've been doing at Gator Country is kind of doing the the statistical analysis of different lineups to show which the uh, what the best lineup is and. You know, one thing I was tweeting about a ton was there's one lineup that's very clearly Florida's best lineup, and it hasn't seen the floor in, in four games. Uh, that correlates with uh, when, you know, Florida was playing good basketball to start of the SEC. It was with the starting lineup of, of Hart, Locke, Keontae Johnson, Omar Payne, and Kerry Blackshear. Uh, they haven't seen the floor together in the last four games. I mean, take a look at the the, the outcomes of these games. That's right when Florida started to, to really turn. So, yeah, and I uh, so still, they're playing the style of basketball that really does, uh, require some guys to be able to make plays one-on-one, which is not a lot of their talents. And then defensively, they're playing very aggressively, which is something that they just don't really have the athletes to do. Uh, particularly at the center position where Kerry Blackshear, who's not a great athlete, he's being asked to do things that Kavarius Hayes did these last couple of years, which is be very aggressive on the perimeter and get, get all the way back to the paint and protect the rim. Uh, that's, uh, that's really tough to ask most centers to do. Kavarius Hayes was the lead at it. Kerry Blackshear is not so much. And, uh, yeah that's why you kind of got struggles on both sides of the ball why hasn't that roster played in
2: your opinion
4: uh to be to be honest i i don't know i, I mean graham yeah. hall you know our, our friend of the Gainesville side, he actually went and uh you know he was someone who asked my about it yeah <laughs> uh, so he uh he went and asked and uh and the answer that uh, was kind of given was just you know he's going by seal and he thought that uh he thought some other guys were playing better uh but once again, I think if you were to look at the uh, the, the the stats, the the analysis of actually these lineups, um, that uh, that's just not the case. There simply was no one playing even close to as good as uh, the lineup that hasn't seen the floor. So uh, definitely glad to gray mask, but uh, and that was kind of the answer that uh, was given to him. But again, it's it's something that White goes by feel a lot. He's not as much someone who looks at the stats, and uh, sometimes that gets you into the, some some decisions that uh, can be, you know, I, I'm going to be critical of.
2: All right, so go go ahead, so.
4: Hey, Eric.
1: Um, I my biggest gripe right now is um, I think you I think you learn a lot about a coach and players and anybody the way you lose, and I'm not feeling Blanco's uh lingo and like the way he blames players and and pressers. What what's your your feel on that, man?
4: Well, I I mean he's called his players soft on multiple occasions. That's wild Um, to me. I mean. I think that some players would rather be called trash than soft. Like I think soft is a really,
1: it's a man, Like a that's thing. a
4: strong word. Yeah. Uh, so so I mean I, I've got to trust that he knows his guys and what's going to get them going. But I, I think he's used that term maybe a little bit, at least when he uses it in the media. Like he, I, I, I'm just maybe I'm taking it str- more strong than his players. But to use to call them soft multiple times, uh, that's that's strong wording. But maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe he wanted to use strong wording there. But but once again, like I'm seeing. Uh, Florida is playing the style of defense that I think does not fit their personnel whatsoever. And so I I think that the players are getting put in a position to fail. I I don't think that the players have been put in a great position to win. And then when they predictably aren't able to, to to execute well playing a style of basketball, that doesn't fit them. uh, Then their coach calls them soft. So that's kind of my problem a little bit is, you know, maybe even if they are playing a little bit soft, I just don't think they're being put in the best situation to win. So you know, he called them soft. It was in reference to their defense. So uh, I, I say, like, wow, like, well, how about we make some adjustments defensively, and then we see if the players are soft. Let's play a style of defense that that fits their skill sets.
1: Now we uh, talk, and,
4: and then we'll see if we play soft. Because, uh, yeah, so uh, so I will say, I mean, uh, yeah, s- strong words, and uh, I just hope that he, you know, knows the weight of what it what it means to use those words when talking about your players. I want to know, like, how can it get, like, how can he fix this and, like, overcome,
1: like, where he's going. Through? I don't see it getting better. Like, it's just like, this is far into his tenure. Um, he's been he's been getting given every excuse in the world. I don't see this getting better next basketball season. Um, Blackshear's out of here. Um, he, he hasn't looked like he was worth the hype all off season from what he's doing this or with us this year. So, how does it get better next year? Like, why why well, do we bring him back?
4: Uh, well, the one thing uh, that White has been able to do is recruit. So I think you uh, you still see that he's he's bringing in good guys. There's there's two really good players sitting out right now with, with the transfer rules, uh, Tyree Appleby and and uh, uh, Anthony Girughi. Just two guys that I do think are are excellent players that will also bring uh, some much needed like uh, veteran some some experience to this team that's been young for so many years. Uh, they're also both just like proven scores at at, uh, at different levels of pretty good basketball at Louisiana Tech and Cleveland State. So so he's got those guys coming in, Samson, Retentive. I think he's going to be a five-star by the time things are said and done. So he is bringing in guys. I mean, but you look at, you know, there's plenty of stars on this roster and it hasn't worked. Uh, I do think that just uh, there needs to be some questions asked of White, and, and uh, I just think he's got to be able to answer them. So I think that, you know, someone in the athletic department has to be like hey you really haven't got a lot out of these five-star players why has that been the case and and see if he has an answer behind it why have you used lineup decisions this way you know why have you been slow to adjust this defense Uh, i i just think he needs to have a time of a little bit of just self-reflection and just see what has changed because you know like my biggest criticism of white is that he has not been a dynamic coach like he's really tried to play the same style of basketball for, for most of his time in Florida. And I just don't really see the adjustments. And and I think you've just got to say quite frankly, Hey, coach white, uh, we think you've been pretty slow to make adjustments in these, this area and this area. Uh, How are you going to address that? What adjustments are you going to make? But I I mean, the one good thing about basketball that's different than football is, you know, a basketball, if you keep winning, you, you keep playing. So he could turn around the season a little bit. If he goes on a little bit of a run here in the, the SEC tournament and maybe the NCAA tournament. But uh, th- that is the one thing is it seems like kind of in basketball, every season has at least the chance to be salvaged. Uh, will that happen? I mean, uh, I-, I know there's probably not a, a lot of believers out there, but uh, if he does kind of change up the defensive strategy here, uh, and kind of gets the lineups on the floor that are going to contribute and work. Uh, this thing could be turned around uh, at least to some extent.
2: Eric, this, this kind of, you know, goes off of that question. I mean, where do you see this team going? Um, you know, we've seen the last couple of games, Georgia, all Miss, Florida be down big. You know, obviously they came back and, and beat Georgia and, and obviously didn't fare so well against uh, Ole Miss. But, you know, where do you see this team going forward? Do you still think they had the chance to make the tournament or,
4: or, or kind of where do you think their ceiling is right now? Well, the thing is that even though Florida has played, you know, so poorly recently and started the season so poorly – they're still they're still on the bubble right now. Some te- some brackets, reputable brackets, have them in. Some of them have them just out. So when you think about the fact that they played so poorly and are still in the mix, I mean, if they play decent basketball the rest of the way, they're in the tournament. I, I mean, mm. that that's as a ten seed or a nine seed, uh, but they are in the dance, and then mm-hmm. you, know, you see what happens from there. But. Uh, you you look at the rest of their schedule. I mean, Vegas is going to have them uh, favored in like five of their next seven. Uh, they're they're going to be favored to lose at Tennessee and 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 at Kentucky. But but even once again, no matter how poorly they played, some of the predictive analytics and and you know the Vegas odds still have Florida as a team that's that's going to go you, you know five and two to kind of finish the mm-hmm. finish the SEC and then we'll. Uh, we'll see what they do in the in the SEC tournament. I mean, five and two would have them as a, as probably a top four seed in the SEC and have a double right. high in that, the SEC tournament. So I mean, there still is like roadwork for the season to be like ended in a, in a non embarrassing fashion, even a decent fashion or a good fashion. So uh, that's and that's kind of at least the, the great thing about basketball is you do have a chance to to kind of write some of your wrongs if you play well at the end of the season. Right.
2: And I think we saw that, you know, in their their win um, against Auburn, uh, you know, their almost victory against LSU with that, you know, that big comeback towards the end. I think you see a team that has obviously the capability and they have the talent. I think it's just being able to put it all together. And and what I'm gathering from you as somebody that, you know, follows the team, you know, moderately closely at best, it just seems to me like they are really struggling putting it together on the uh, on the court right and and putting it together um from an analytics perspective from a coaching perspective that it's not necessarily talent it's being
4: able to utilize that talent right well i mean w- once again talking about put being being able to put a consistent effort forth on the floor uh, anyone who's watched the team has seen that they've been prone to some really big runs in the positive direction and a lot of really negative runs and and once again when you look at the uh the lineup data of of who's on the floor a, a lot of these things could be predicted like when they mm-hmm. had this this really poor end to the half against Gold Miss that put them in a hole that they were never able to cl- crawl out of uh, it was because there was a there was a lineup with the floor on the floor that has shown with a very large sample size this season that they they don't play well together so uh, I I just think basketball is so much well really any sport is, is so much about winning on the margins and i just don't feel like this is a, a basketball team that really does that i do think analytics and, and
0: using data would
4: be a great way to do that and a great place to start uh because yeah like if, if you're watching the florida basketball game the rest of the way and you see they they start going a really positive run, uh make a note of who's on the floor and uh, if they go on a really negative run uh, make a note on the floor and and uh and see like hey like uh, how did we get to this uh, it, it's probably the lineup it's, it's probably the play calls they're using that's uh that's another thing that's been inconsistent, and uh, uh, yeah, you're you're probably going to see some correlation. So, uh, but it's also it's also places that they can tidy it up for sure.
2: And, and I guess this is my last question. You know, let's just assume that Florida goes four and three, five and two, makes the uh, makes the tournaments in nine C, ten C, loses in the first round. What kind of changes should Florida be making from a? from a coaching perspective and I'm not necessarily saying get rid of Mike white. I mean, do you see, or anticipate some turnover, you know, the assistant coach ranks or, or what do you see changing going into next year? Cause I don't know if they enter next year with a more talented on paper team, do they?
4: Uh, well, you do have a little bit more proven production with Apple and uh, Daruji coming in. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you're not going to have, three five stars and the best graduate transfer big on your team many years so the talent probably won't be comparable but uh, uh you, you know what every one of florida's assistants has low major and mid-major head coaching offers this last offseason. um obviously they all returned but when you see the way that florida's assistants have recruited uh especially jordan mintley and, uh, and daris nichols two younger coaches uh and, you know everyone's looking for those young coaches that can really recruit those those two are the guys so uh, I, I do think that there's a, a, a good chance that one of those guys does take a, a head job somewhere else. And I think that's where a, a, a hire is going to be very important. Uh, one thing is, is again, there's, I, I would say there's not a lot of diversity and thought of the coaching staff. It's, you know, three college point guards between, between Mincy uh, Nichols and White on the staff who all kind of see things the same way. They're field guys. They're, they're not, so they're not people who really are are into the analytics or looking to get an edge that way. Uh, and Al Pinkins is another old school guy too, who's uh, uh, maybe not using that uh, those tools either. So I, I do think that if one of those guys gets uh, gets a head job, and you're looking to bring in another assistant, I, I think you've just got to look at someone who sees the game differently. Because right now it's uh, it's been a lot of college guards that are. Uh, in, in White and Mincy and, and Nichols who who see the game uh, kind of one particular way and uh, th- th- and th- that hasn't really worked at Florida. So I think you've got to change things up. So if one of those guys were to go, uh, yeah, you'd have a pretty important hire on your hands.
0: Well,
1: very good. Eric, remind everybody where they can find your stuff. Real quick, real quick, real How quick, good? real quick, real quick. Eric, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself, my boy. Um, you came over here when we first started this thing. You got a little – a little Blanco happy, man. So I'm gonna give you a chance to redeem yourself. How far you think uh, our game is going this tournament?
4: Uh, I think they're gonna make the NCAA tournament as a 10 seed. I think they, uh, mm. they get in as one of the last teams. Uh, and you know what? Like what, By the time it gets to a 7-10 game, just like we saw we saw last year where they won a, a, a 7-10 game as a 10 seed, uh, I, I think they'll do the same thing and, and then probably lose handily in the second. I, I think it's gonna look a lot like last year, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, d- I definitely want to get back on the show with you guys. So I don't want to swing and miss twice. So there's my uh, oh, no, there's good. my prediction here. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you still owe me
2: a hundred bucks from betting TJ Pittenger that Florida <laughs> beats Florida State. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a that's <laughs> tough
4: yeah, one. I gotta hold that got hold that L.
2: That's
4: uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey Eric, man, you you're you're a
1: basketball guy, man. Any, I, you come over here and kick it with us anytime. So we'll have you back on during the tournament.
4: Uh, tell the people where they can find you at. Hey, thanks so much. So I'm at on uh, Twitter at efoss at 7, uh, and then all my writings are Gator Country, so you can uh, see some, uh, some hopefully really good basketball analysis there.
2: Very good, Eric. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. It's always a
4: pleasure, and we look forward to having
2: you on in the next few weeks.
4: Hey, thanks so much for having me on on uh, what's just an incredible show, which is like what it looks like you guys put together every week with your guests. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much.
1: We appreciate yeah, it, man. Bro. You're following up Mo, man. You got, you're in good company tonight. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we'll man, love we're good. Bye now. I'm never mad at uh a little Mike a little Mike White slander, man. Um his let's, tune's let's changed a, a little. bit. What's up?
2: I said his tune his tune has changed a bit.
1: Yeah, he got the full the full layout, man, of how Mike White run things, I man. Sometimes we forget <laughs> during the off season. It's like Florida State when they like or oh, Miami fans in football, they forget how terrible they are during the season when all the recruiting and stuff started, man. So I think we forget until the ball's tipped off and we're reminded of how bad of offensive drops and whatnot we go on, man. It's not great stuff to watch.
2: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious to see what, uh, you know, what this team has in uh, in them. Um, you know, some tough losses, some bad losses, but also some big wins. And obviously they've shown that they can, you know, compete, you know, against a, an Auburn, against an LSU uh, you know, but then they do have a couple tough losses. And so I'm just not sure uh, if I trust the the coaching right now. You know, there's a lot of analytics out there. And, and I'm not just saying Eric's analytics are better than, you know, what Florida has. I imagine they have their own. But, you know, there's something wrong and it, it's not working. And, you know, the amount of talent that they have on their team to be this consistently off. Uh, it just doesn't seem to make sense. So, uh, you know, we've got a a couple more games. I think Eric said there's seven more games left. So they've got seven games to try to figure it out, uh, than the sec tournament. And, you know, we'll see, you know, they, the bare minimum of being a coach at Florida should be being in the sec tournament. If they miss, uh, you know, again, that that'd be, that'd be tough.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it. I don't think he turns it around. Um, not a, uh, i just not feeling it. I don't think this guy got what it takes. He's been here long enough for us to see some type of improvement. Every year it's a new excuse. Uh, the scoring drops are bad. He's not a player's coach. Uh, no matter how good he recruits, he's not getting through to these guys. He's looking a, a whole lot like basketball Mac a little bit, man. Um, The way he blames players and throw them under the bus and pressures, I don't feel that. Um, Calling them mm-hmm. soft, I'm not feeling that. I think teams take on the personality of their coach. So if they mm-hmm. soft, you soft. Um. Yeah, I, I just want to attitude change, reflects man. leadership, coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would just like to see a change, man. I've seen enough of Mike White, man. But we'll bring Eric back on. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, as it all unfolds.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, there's still seven games for us to uh, to see, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see where this team is. But um, you know, we might have a long off season of, uh, of basketball talk, and um, you know, we'll see. You know, I think that that's all you can uh, you can hope and say with this team is is we'll see who
1: who the they are would... each week. You know what I'm really missing? I want to get Ahmad's uh, basketball expertise on this segment, man. <laughs> we got to get him better. We got to get him some flu meds.
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I guess that ends another good show. Silk, always good to hang out with you and vibe with you for a little bit. Uh, I think we are gonna end the show with uh, with Tyler Childers. Obviously, haven't gone seen him. Uh, I have listened to him nonstop ever since. A bunch of great music. I encourage you guys all to make sure you check it out and listen to the song. Uh, But I'm going to go really old school, uh, Tyler Childers, with you. Not too, too old school, but we're going to go old school enough uh, with the song that probably made him the most famous at at the beginning of his career was Shake the Frost. And we'll see you next week on the corner of Stadium and Gale.
1: Same corner, same time. Y'all already know.
0: a sunday back home in old kentucky with church choirs just belting to the pines and i love you like the mountains loves the way the morning opens too soft and bright greeting from the sun So if it make you stay, how would it price of dreams so high I couldn't pay. So I'll let that car just sit there when I should have took you driving windows down while the music played. So if it makes